Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. You're listening to DC Public Library on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C., this is an episode of DCPL Radio, All Things Local. I'm your host, Ray Barker, archivist with the DC Public Library Special Collections. On this episode, I'm playing an interview with the DC Philadelphia-based band Tadzio. This interview was pre-recorded at the Adams Morgan Community Center Saturday afternoon, November 16th, 2019, so just a couple weeks ago. I spoke with three of the four members about their origins, recording history, and their new album, and we play select tracks from that recording. I'll be back at the end to close the episode out, so let's listen to that conversation now. All right, let's get started. I'm with uh, Tadzio, members of Tadzio. That would be Shana Kapaluk. Uh, Kapaluk. Ross Lipton. Hello. And Ben Shure. And that's it. Yeah. So we are in the bowels of the uh, Line Hotel in Ams Morgan. And we're doing well. So um, <laughs> we can get started. Can you, uh, there's a DC element present here in the band. Uh, and I just thought we'd start with She's actually that. not present. Yeah, but I, mean, I thought it was you were the DC. Well, I, I now live in Philadelphia. But there's a band member missing. Yes, and yeah. she, is, she is the DC element. And she's holing it down right. in Northeast. Uh, violin. Yeah. Hannah Burris. Hannah Burris, great. So H- Hannah Burris should be here. But she did say that if she was here, she would just sort of sit anxiously quietly so just imagine that there's someone sitting here who's anxious and quiet um right <laughs> uh so our dc element is not here which is the ben, i am looking at I, i'm though, enough of a dc but you've element. been here for yeah. a while so ben plays in a billion bands this is his third appearance on uh, mm-hmm. um, of uh, uh full service radio he's a senior member of the episode <laughs> uh, family but um, can someone tell me how Tazio started? Because I, I have an album oh, wow. that some of the people present here aren't playing on. Uh, the um, I, well, I did play on that album. Yeah. The, yeah. the first album. What is the title? The first album was called The Sick Room. No, that's, that's, no, that's, no, 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 no. The other one. Queen of the Invisible Queen is the, the Invisible. first album. Oh, that, that, the first, first album. That's, that's, that's prior to me. Yeah. But that's who wants a, to give the short history? You, you're the only person Ross. who's in the band back yeah, then, so you can, um, you can talk Queen about of it. Queen of the Invisible. That's Ross. That's me. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ross. Um, Queen of the Invisible, the first Tadzio album came around. Um, I had been playing in many bands in the early 2000s, uh, most notably Brer, uh, Ben Shirts, other bands. So did Shana. Everyone, That's true. Everybody Matt, did a bid. Matt, Matt played that too? No, Matt, Matt was Matt never did. in Brer. He was he managed Brer. So. <laughs> Basically, Which by the word, you know. Two bids I was in fell apart. Um, well, actually, Brer kept going, but I was, you know, I fell apart from it. And that was in D.C. <laughs> about five years ago, is that right? Yes. No, well, Brer. Brer started in 2008. And, oh, wow. And he That's a long time. sort of started in 2007, and Ross was in the first iteration of it. And then I moved to Asheville, and then Shana joined the band. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Shana And then moved I moved to Philly right around the time that Queen of the Invisible was being released. And there I heard go. it, and I was like, I want to be it's on amazing. this album. Yeah. But it was already recorded, and there was another vocalist in the band Mandy at the Katz. time. And I listened to that this morning. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, I mean, it's an album that I, I think... Um, okay, I'll just give you a little a background about Please. that album. So, I wanted to make a completely sort of acoustic, what you call like neo-classical album, kind of divorced from things that were happening within the, um, you know, 
just like trying to make an album that didn't revolve around electric guitars and basses and synthesizers. Something more natural. Yeah. Organic sounding. It sounds sort of fine. It has like a fine sound to it. Yeah. You know? It was kind of a dream logic to a lot of the songs, too. There's not there's no like verse chorus structure to sort of a rhapsodic quality um, that we tried to capture. Um, basically, I, me and Mandy Katz, who's also a really gifted visual artist and also a veteran of the Philadelphia punk scene, um, she does come from like a punk rock background. Is that the album that was recorded on stolen equipment? Oh, the yes. yes. There's a great story. You broke story into a house and used a drum set. Was it the, is it the 409? <laughs> is that the name the of that? The 409 house, yes. 409 house in West Philadelphia. Philadelphia. <laughs> and we, the story is really great. So uh, it was. Um, Recording percussion. Yeah, it was engineered by Darian Scatton, who is still a. Um, he's on all the albums. He's on all the albums. Yeah. He's like. He even on, harp on yeah. the new record. Mm-hmm. Nice, okay. Um, and he did a lot of harp and synth on the sick room. But anyway, so when this album was being recorded, uh, and what year is this? I'm sorry, two thousand and eight. No, it was a little earlier. Two thousand nine and two thousand ten. Because when yeah. I moved to Philly, it was two thousand ten, and you were just finishing. Right. It was two thousand ten. Yeah, because that was like right when I moved back to Philly. And we were like, you know, oh, we need to get some drums on the album. And we were like, well, we don't have access to a drum set or anywhere to record them. And somebody, one of our friends was living at the 409 house, so we just, like, asked them to let us in, and we just came down with, like, our laptop and all that, and started, like, playing on this random drum like set. That a was metal band's drum set, yeah. And then the guy... we <laughs> Whose drum set it belonged to? Yeah, yeah. We, we assume it was that guy. <laughs> but some guy comes down to, like, do his laundry, and I think it was me who was, like, being like, hey, could you, could you stop? We're trying to record here. And the guy is just, like, being like... Huh? Okay. <laughs> and we have, and like, there was definitely sort of this element that it was like kind of like almost like a cartoon that he probably was like, all right. And then like an hour later, he's like, wait, hey, this is my house. Who are these people? And then, <laughs> so then we were hanging we out on the porch like yeah. a week or so later, and someone was like, from the house would be like, yeah, man, things are getting really weird at the 409 house. Somebody just like broke into the house and like recorded drums there. We gotta like, Step things up here. Things are getting a little weird. That's here. a great. Thing that was can... in Philly, though. That, that was Philly. Philly yeah. yeah. And then I—that's a great tangent, but uh, that I, I encouraged. Uh, yeah. But uh, but we were talking about the creation of Todd's so right. Yeah. Album, and the genesis of that album. But then we were going to that trans- sums it up. Transition does it? Okay. Well, I mean, then, it's an interesting yeah. anecdote. I mean, I should just paraphrase that. Me and Mandy were working with Elliot Harvey, who's in a band called The Stick and a Stone. People may or may not who that is. Um, who lives in Oregon now. They used to live in Philly. Yeah, they used to live in Philly, live in Oregon. Um, and we were, like, backing and uh, for the live band. And Mandy's actually the one that was like, Ross, we should just start working on our own stuff. Um, and I was like, it was the first time I ever formed my own. Actually, that's not true. Uh, it was um, the second, like, band I started on my own. The first one was in college, called The Ring Circus. But basically... I had a, like an upright piano in my apartment, and I would just play her bandy these like twenty like long piano pieces, mm-hmm. and we would sort of figure out like what we 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 did a lot of like translation we we used a lot of like translations of poems, particularly poems by Herman Hesse. <coughs> yeah, and some of the songs are like part Herman Hesse poems, part our own. Uh, and that's credited in the liner notes. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, it is. I saw it there. Good. <laughs> but I wanted to ask about uh, the classical sort of elements I hear mm-hmm. in that album. And even in the stuff now. I mean, I know that album is all acoustic, but yeah. the stuff 
you play now, and then uh, Ross will get off the hot seat in a second, but that it's, uh, you know, songs that aren't uh, traditionally centered around the guitar, which is a sort of more dominant kind of thing that we would expect to hear, but what I hear is a more classical influence with the songs currently, and even on that record, being centered around the uh, keyboard or, mm -hmm. or the piano. Can you talk about the, your training or that, or just reply to that? Yeah, emotion, sure. I, 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 um, I have no classical training. Um, actually, uh, but I think I'm a good listener, <laughs> and I, uh, after college, I basically, like, put myself through, like, my own sort of school of music, Yeah. read a lot of, like, music textbooks, read a lot of, like, orchestration textbooks, I don't know if all that was useful, but I also, like, um, Philadelphia is sort of a great city if you are just like want to self educate yourself on the history of classical or yeah. There's music. like a long history of like um, avant between that and then there was like a really great avant garde scene when we were younger, like both like, doing noise and then jazz and there was like the long history of like yeah, like a lot of really great, very amusing quotes, but, like very musical music in the city. It's like right. you know, it's a very forward thinking city. It's an important music city in the history yeah. of America because you have the Curtis Institute there, which is like Which a, we used to go to like a lot. It's and just like free it's free, it's, yeah. they put on They're these on free Wednesdays. concerts. The students and, play these amazing oh, nice. okay. recitals like but they also have like artists in residencies. So like I would go and see like the eighth Blackbird for free on like a Tuesday night and they Right. Would, if you want to like expose yourself to a lot of classical music and catch up with whatever without, you don't know, it's a money. great City yeah. to do yeah. that without it's having free. To. Yeah. And then is that how Shana yeah. got into the group? How did that happen? Okay, well, I yeah. moved to Philadelphia in 2010. Mm -hmm. I was living in Asheville. Ben had taken some time off from Philly and lived at my house, and we started working on music together. And then I, I derailed a plan that I wasn't particularly attached to to move to Chapel Hill and go to library school and instead library started school. playing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to be oh, an archivist. Man. Ha ha ha. I wanted, I wanted to work with music That's archives. A terrible plan. But <laughs> I, I wanted to play in a band more. I worked at a radio station and then I just kept finding people to substitute for my show and going on tour with and Rare. And always the singer and lyricist. Um, I was never the singer and lyricist before now. I was the, the violinist. Yeah in Brer nice, okay. and then I was a backup singer in another band called The New Heaven and the New Earth and I was a backup singer in Darian's band and I was a backup singer in a, and a violinist They're in The Horror of the Hearts yeah. yeah. so I was in all the Onion. it was Edible Onion was, was the music collective at the time that was that record Ben was on that and Darian's yeah. brainchild out of Philly at yeah. base in Philly and I was playing in so many Edible Onion bands and it's just made more sense for me to live in Philly than live in Asheville so I moved the summer that Queen of the Invisible came out and I heard it and I was like this is great I wish I was singing these songs. And I just put that in my pipe and smoked it for a couple of years. Played in Brer, played in New Heaven, went to grad school, did a bunch of other stuff. And by the time Ross contacted me about being on the next Tadzio album, I had no particular band and I was just doing a lot of solo sets. I'm also zero classical training, none whatsoever. I'm a fiddle player and a ballad singer. All of my training is in like folk music. Um, and I had just been singing a cappella. And then that Tazio record was the sick one? The sick room, the sick, the sick room. room, which is the second Tazio record. And Ross was like, I have some piano melodies that I wrote with Darian, or I wrote them, and Darian was, had some parts that he wrote for this theater piece, and they were just so good that we wanted to do something else with them, and I have some lyrics, and I kind of want to just write some vocal melodies. And so we started hanging out once a week, and just sitting together. Sometimes we would just talk about music for two hours and I would go home. Sometimes he would play the piano melody over and over again. I would just kind of like wordlessly groove Come on it and melody. figure out where the counter melodies mm -hmm. were because I love writing counter melodies. I also have a lot of experience with choral music, mm -hmm. so I really like counter melodies. I really like 
sort of like where they intersect and where they feed into each other. And so I took the lyrics that he had and I wrote counter melodies on, on my voice to the piano. I can't read music. I don't know any music theory. I don't play any polyphonic instruments. Everything I do was kind of freehand. And then the lyrics came later. The lyrics, well, some of the lyrics were written by Ross. I modified some of the lyrics. And we're going to get into Defiance here in a second. Yeah, so, well, it, Defiance, Defiance is on the sick room. <laughs> that, that's like the, sort of an earlier incarnation where I was like a vocalist and I was kind of jumping into a lot of stuff that Ross had been waiting to make into songs and all the content was pretty much there. But I was also writing lots and lots of lyrics at the time and doing when I first nothing saw you, with them. You were just writing, scribbling away in your notes. I constantly, <laughs> like, That's the only I other compulsively I've seen do that. write yeah. all the time, exactly every that. single day. I have a two-hour commute, and one thing I do to keep myself from going insane with boredom <laughs> is write songs. Um, so I was just like burdened by lyrics, and eventually I was like, "Hey Ross, I wrote a bunch of lyrics too," and that's where we're at now. We cool. kind of each have our own little song yeah. lists awesome. that we, like, we throw at each other. That. Yeah. Now let's talk about uh, Defiance because that's one of the. Tracks okay, Defiance. Play. Yes. So from the sick room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody. See, basically, the way a lot of these songs are written is I would write the music out on the piano, and then me and Darren would transcribe it sometimes into notation if we had other musicians playing. Uh, so like that song started me and Darian um, working at just basically like notating it for harp and various like synthesizers. I, forget. I, think, I think Darian, is it safe to say that Darian is the, has the most amount of classical training? Yeah, Darian yeah, is classical. classical. He's a classically trained harp. Oh, okay. We just kind of absorb his classical oh, cool. training. But we, we were like a, kind of a group of, of, of friends <laughs> who were like kind of in just sort a of hodgepodge of of young misfits, <laughs> go getters, but, but but like but like we all kind of encouraged us to like push our comfort levels, being like, oh, what if we all like got into this, and as opposed to being like, oh, we all got into Team and Paula, we got into like Olivier Messia, or you know, or like jo- yeah. Ross was in a gamelan. Yeah, like so those like uh, reference musical reference yeah, points, and she yeah. was really into Bulgarian women's. Yeah, heard like Georgian choral music. I have a lot of choral experience. Is there anything else about Defiance you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. Defiance. Yeah, 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 here's the thing I want to say. One thing that Ross, a reason why Ross asked me, I'm paraphrasing thing, Ross told me when he what asked me to, to join Tadzio and be the vocalist for this album was that he grew up listening to a lot of like 60s folk rock, like Fairport Convention sure. and Steel Ice Band, and that sure. was music that his dad exposed him to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the songs on this album are kind of like, yeah, they're eulogies of a sort for the like musical world that your dad fostered in mm-hmm. you when you were a child and your memories of him. And so yes, well, yeah. but, like, I, I, it's nice because this is music that I, I love. I grew up on a steady diet of, of not so much Pentangle, but definitely Fairport Convention. Maddie Pryor and Shirley Collins and, and Sandy Denny and June Tabor. And so my style was the right style for the band at this point in its cool. yeah. life. So that defines yeah. it from uh, The Sick Room. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're talking to uh, Shana Kapalek, uh, mm-hmm. Ross Lipton, and Ben Shore from Tadzio. And uh, we're going to listen to this track. And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, Tadzio and the name. Yeah, okay. God has terrified
Yeah, I mean, Defiance is a song about my um, anxiety and fear and dread. All those good things. Um, and, and, and a general sour, <laughs> and a general sour feeling about reproduction, human reproduction. Like I have a fear of it, and I, it's like it's like my nightmare is to reproduce. And song defiance is sort of. I'm not saying like I'm again. It's like not about me being. It's just like it's about like why am I so anxious mm-hmm. about children? And the song defiance um, I wrote while I was teaching a philosophy course, um, where I, I taught Kierkegaard's Fear and Trembling, which is all about um, Abraham, God telling Abraham to take his one and only son to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him, and like. You know, he makes this whole point about, like, Abraham is defying, like, um, sort of, like, societal norms. And that's what, that's what, like, faith is all about, defying societal norms because of your faith. And I always thought that was, like, such a strange thing that so much of our culture is built upon, the story of Abraham. Yeah. Um, but in the, in the story, in, in the lyrics of Defiance, it's all about someone, like, looking at their, like, child and feeling that kind of, like... Is this all there is? Um, and at the same time, you know, I know people who have gone through like postpartum uh, dis- what's it? What's depression. 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 Yeah. Don't we, don't what's that? What's that word again? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <it's> so close. <laughs> word of the day, kids. Um. <laughs> it's really interesting to be the one singing this song because the the feelings that it evokes in me are, are analogous but not the same, and I. I think she loves children. I, I I feel a lot of ambivalence about what it means to reproduce in an era of like mm-hmm. rapid climate change and like what kind of accountability you feel for people who will outlive you. And then I also have close friends who experience postpartum depression. And I also look at the lives of the women I know and how little support they get from anyone to do all the things they're suddenly responsible for. And it is terrifying. There's a lot of terror there. 
And it's interesting to to carry the torch of someone else's terror and be like, I feel some of these very strongly, and I, there's a, like there's a patina that I feel like Thank like Ross's emotion, the and then and then my emotions kind of like it's like a verdigris that you could like lick your finger and wipe it off, but then it just comes back. Um, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> two two tones of terror. In this song, the next album title. Yeah, <laughs> hey, hey, it's a sky move, album. We can move on. That's great. Yeah, I, I love that you were like, can we talk about the lyrics of that <laughs> and then just dove into like? For sure, there's lots um, to say. But we were basically following two threads: this mm-hmm. the sort of history of the band and that sure. arc, as well as focusing in on the uh, the track. So there's another track coming up. Mm-hmm. But can we continue then the, yeah. the historical arc of Tazio? But I said uh, the the sort of no brainer question is the what is. That's a Shakespeare reference. Tadzio. Oh, the the, the, no. the the name. Yeah, it's actually a Thomas Mann reference, um, in a the novel Death Death in Venice. Oh, okay. Um, it's uh, a uh, German writer um, takes vacation to Venice because uh, he's sort of old. You know, he's he, he's he's past middle age and he feels sort of worn out from life and he wants like like Venice to him represents like this like exotic. Um, you know, place between like he Europe and the unknown. Even though it's you know this is early twentieth century, yeah. Uh, you know, German literature and um, so like you know Venice having all this sort of like historical trauma to it has like a special emphasis for for, for the character. And he goes there and he he in the same hotel that he's staying at, there's this young Polish aristocratic boy named Tadzio, who he becomes obsessed with. It's not necessarily sexual. I mean, you know, someone could disagree with me. It's more about, like, the character, like, the boy of Tadzio, who's sort of sickly and seems to be uh, dying. Um, it, it sort of becomes a symbol of, like, death and beauty. Yeah. And eventually um, a plague comes to Venice, and everyone leaves except for the Polish family and the boy and this writer. And um, basically the writer dies from, the, from, from cholera while watching this Polish aristocratic boy uh, playing on the beach, and I just feel like that's a really good uh, metaphor for the music I want to create. <laughs> <laughs> that no one would get, but if they explored it, they would find it. Is that fair to say? I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, like, right? I... So for me, like, I read that when I was really young. I just sort of found it in my house, and I was just like, "This is," because, like, I don't know. I, I was pretty lost growing up. I didn't really know what I was into. Yeah. I knew I hated sports. Moving on to something okay. a little back to, sure. back to thank you though for to DC and Ben like because you had lived here and played here and you moved to Philadelphia is there can you tell us a little the, any of you talk about this sort of DC like your experience playing music and recording in DC or that DC life that you had with music and then moving it or its relationship to Philadelphia yeah. but also then Philadelphia coming back to DC. And you guys, can you guys talk about that? It, a is, bit? it is kind of funny because, like, it was like the sort of thing that, like, you know, the three of us had worked together. Like, you know, me, me and Ross were in our very first band when we were 10. Um, Stella? Yeah, which is actually really funny because on our new record, the one that we're making right now. Yeah, like, all we'll there's four songs where the, the band, our 10 year old band, all three of those people are on it. The like band our, that we were in when we were 10 years old. Yeah, so our friend Dan Angel, who I've As also. As close as you'll get to a time machine. I yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. But sorry, um, so you're friends. No, 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 yeah, so, so like, so yeah, like, we, like, it, there is this, like, weird connection of, like, the past, and there's so many different layers, because, like, when Shana and I, like, like when, I, when I moved to Asheville, and we were, like, working on music, and 
Shane had this radio show, and then I would guest on it sometimes like that. Like, it was, yeah. like, we, there's, like, so many different layers of, like, history between the three of us that, like, you know, like, Shane and I had, like, barely even, like, hung out, like, since, like, 2011. And then, um, Ross, uh, you know, once we put out the sick room on Blight, because he, he played it for me, and I was like, oh, man, this is, this is, well, I think what first happened was that you had a bunch of instrumental music that you wanted to record for this Austrian radio show, because... Oh, to yeah. jump around Ross was living in Austria for a little while and so he came over to Blight Studios and recorded that and then which was in DC which was yes. in Petworth or somewhere right which was in yeah. uh, 16th Street Heights oh. Petworth oh, I mean I don't it's all the same in what, Northwest what is a Petworth what is a, what is a Petworth yeah. depends $65 on pe- depends on the animal depends mm-hmm. on the animal 65, if you want to rent if you want to adopt <laughs> Big Boy which is a great cat in West Philadelphia it's $65 adoption <laughs> thing but yeah. um no, but so 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 Ross and I started working on stuff again for the first time in a really long time, and then that just sort of opened this like like oh yeah, there's this great understanding that we have, and and then we put out the sick room uh, earlier a couple years ago or a year no that was that was this year, year ago this, this past March yeah yeah so it was earlier this year yeah. actually it's that's how crazy it's, it's almost been. a almost a year and around yeah and around that time Ross was like. I want to start playing more shows live. Would you want to play in bass in the band? And so in that sort of ex- period of time, like I started commuting up to Philly and it was around the time that I was like, I couldn't really, I just can't afford to live here. It's an expensive city. And like, I just felt this pull to reconnect with things. And we just, the three of us just started like making stuff like so Easily. Yeah, we like, like our went whole new record is like all like EP. basically. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about the new record then. Yeah, like yeah. we're into the genesis of that, and we're kind of already there. Yeah, sure. But well, yeah, the, the, that, that's where we've yeah. been all all summer. The the songs I, I I compulsively write songs pretty much every day, and trying to get time with Ben and Ross to be like, hey, what about this? Hey, what about this? For a while, we would Ross and I would come down to DC to practice with Ben, and every single time they were like vamping on some melody that Ross would write, I would be like, okay, just keep doing that. Give me the microphone, and, and we would write a song. And Ben is on bass. Yeah, bass or synth, one of those. Yeah, yeah, we just kept writing songs at rehearsal because I had all these lyrics, and they were just like, "All right, let's do it. All right, let's do it. All right, let's do it." So a lot of the songs on the new album come out of like what, waiting for Hannah to get to yeah. practice, two, two and while we wait for like, Hannah, Ross will start playing <laughs> yeah. something he wrote, and I'll be like, "Ooh, that has the right meter." And sometimes, weirdly, I'd write a vocal melody, and then Ross would independently of me write a piano melody that like synced up with that vocal melody. I think yeah. it's because we've just been working together so long now that we yeah, read each other's minds, mind. yeah. <laughs> or we just have similar melodic sensibilities. A thing to mention too, even yeah. about that, is like when we say we're waiting for Hannah, we're mm-hmm. kind of like waiting like fifteen minutes. Yeah, not, not even, long. We're not, like, waiting a long time which is like, oh, Hannah's on her way from northeast yeah. to northwest, and then Ross played specifically the song yeah. that we're going to play later on the podcast. This is actually, like, something that Ross is playing a keyboard part, and then, yeah, yeah as you described, you're like, wait, hold on a second. And then you pull up your phone, yeah. start singing these lyrics, and it's like, what's really exciting and cool about, I think, the energy between all of us, and even, like, because Hannah's also really yeah. fast as well, yeah. like, which I'll kind of get more of, like, that process, but, like, there was very little, with the exception of like a few songs on the new record, it was all basically like, like almost like first takes. Like there's this one mm-hmm. song that we have on the new record called uh, "Pine of My Blood" that I was just like sitting. You were sitting at the organ. I came to the house and I was like, "Don't stop playing that." I think Hold you said. On. I think you said play something. 
play yeah, anything. Yeah, play something. And I like, just like, was like, okay, and I played these three chords, and then you like sang this vocal yeah. melody, and you're like, I was like, oh my god, that's like here it is. That's yeah. a great song. I think the big difference yeah. between like this album that we're almost done and the sick room and the, and the Queen of the Invisible is that this album is like it's an album of a band. Like, yeah, I feel like the first two Tazu albums are like recording projects that we turned into a live show. Right. Whereas, like, this is, like, we're coming at it with four musicians. Yeah. We play together regularly. Yeah, who know each other pretty well. Queen of the Invisible was, was, there was one performance ever in that album. Yeah, there was one live yeah. show with me and Mandy. Um, was that the one at that uh, the at mansion? The, at a strange mansion in Germantown. But, um, but also, yeah. I think the thing about this album is that it's also, like, songs that we're writing now. And with The Sick Room, it was a bunch of things that you'd already written. And you were like, I want to make an album. I have these piano melodies. I have these lyrical ideas. Let's put them together. And now, it's everything's kind of happening very quickly. Immediately. Yeah. And I think there's there's a kind of immediacy lyrically that's happening where it's talking about like our daily emotional landscapes instead of like memories, poems, dreams, like yeah, it's ideas. Less <laughs> abstract. Yeah, yeah, it's less abstract. It's very very direct. Like yeah, and it's like what's really cool too is it feels like everyone's like like, you know, there no one's specifically leading it necessarily. Mm. Like there's songs that are like Shana wrote. There are songs that, like, I guess Shana and I wrote. There are yeah. songs that are just like something that me and Ross came up with, and then like you like yeah. on it. And then there was like, yeah. and what was really cool too is like so much of like Hannah's parts will be like, okay, I'm in DC for a day, and we'll be at Mara's house, who's very quietly sitting on the couch next to us <laughs> from Luna, mm-hmm. yes. from Luna Honey, and uh, we'll be like. Oh man, I'm in town for like a day in between me going between Philly and DC. Hey Hannah, are you free for like two hours? And she's like, okay. And then she'll like create this like yeah, she's symphony. Brilliant. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, hey, well, like, the string parts came so quickly. Hannah, yeah. who's not here, who plays viola. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like the song No she's Way She's in Coventry as well. Yeah, the song No Way Out that we're going to be playing oh, later yeah. on the podcast. That was my favorite example because that song is like nothing but just like luck. Every, like that was the one that we wrote like 15 minutes wrote, before she showed up to yeah. practice. And then. I was like, I was about to go on tour, I believe, mm-hmm. and with Swole, and I was like, I had like a day off, so I was like, let's all uh, practice together. Was, yeah, well, the, the time yeah. we're recording the part, I was like, oh, Anna, yeah. why don't you come over? And I was like, we know we want to add viola. I don't know what we should do. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, put it on, and very was like in her voice, she's like, very quietly. Yeah, this is and all then just there. like it all Launched came out into in like it. an then, hour or two, and then, so we can talk about moments of, of doubt. Yeah, then, yeah. Is there any? There's very little doubt in the process. It was actually yeah. kind of like <laughs> moments of, of immediate certainty. I this song, I I wrote it while I was driving, and I do that a lot. And I'll just like turn the record button on in my car and just kind of like free and associate. Back to Ben talking about you yeah. your phone because is that how that you mentioned that I everything Shana lives on my phone. phone People, yeah. people make fun of me because I'm always staring at my phone, but I'm mostly writing songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, and has the healthiest like, relationship to a phone out of those I use it mostly to like edit lyrics and record field recordings and record vocal melody ideas for later. And then like I'll bring them to practice and be like, what about this? What about this? What about and this? so for moments of doubt. Then. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was something I was, I, I sort of like was writing counter melodies to whatever songs came on the radio and they sort of mel- the, the lyrics came into my head and so I wrote them down and then we were at practice waiting for Hannah and Ross and Ben were playing a melody that I was like this has the right amount of beats for these lyrics I'm just the, gonna throw them at it I think the melody was like this would be a good m- melody to use for a documentary about, yeah. like, a, about like a murder or something or about like a missing person yeah. about like a 
Yeah, like that. Like I, I was playing it as a joke, actually. But and it was then, the right thing at the right time. I was like, oh wait, that hold might work. Hold that. Hold that thought. Yeah, I mean, this album took about four months to record. And I'm gonna stop you there, and we'll play moments of doubt, and then we'll come back and talk about the album. Sure. The song title.
about the, uh, you want to say more about the album, album title and all that? It has no title as a oh. title. I believe it's called The Red Chapel. Yeah, that's I wanted to call it Die Alone, but uh, everyone else, else in the agreed. band agrees that's too extreme. <laughs> I tend to be an extreme person, I'll admit it. Like, guilty as charged. Um, and but, you were talking about more about the background of the, of the record, too? Yeah, I mean, this is a record that was made... I'll just say I found myself in an extremely low point. Uh, both my cats had died at different times last year, and I was extremely depressed and um, sort of unemployed and didn't really have a place to live because my lease had run out, and I didn't really know what was going on, so I was basically living at my friend Patrice's place while she was out for the month, and Carrying on the, the gorilla style. We moved all of Ben's recording equipment. Mm-hmm. And, that, and in that month and a half that we were there, we recorded like 80% of the album. Yeah. Mostly because like I needed something to keep myself distracted. Was that this past summer? What's yeah. It? This past summer, yeah. 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 yeah, so that was probably the darkest summers of my life. But without the, this album saved my life, I have to say. <laughs> I mean, Ben Same was there. Here. You can attest I was in an extremely low place. So yeah. like... You know, without Tazio and everyone who's involved with it, like, I don't know where I would be, because it was one of the, I mean, it's just gotten me through a lot of hard moments. So, you know, thank you guys. Hey, <laughs> well, uh, glad, glad to. I think at this point I feel more compelled to go towards the darkness than ever before, because I'm like, I'm going to get songs out of it. We're already there. No We're matter how terrible it is, songs <laughs> will come out of the terrible feelings. So why be afraid of them? I remember driving back from the last tour. We were driving around. I can't remember what music we were listening to. It might have been the Mountain Goats. Anyway, I started like tearing up, and I was like talking to Ross and Ben about these awful memories that were coming up when this song came on. And both of you had this like look on your face, like Shana's going to write a song about this. This is great. Shana's sad. Shana's sad. She's going to write songs, and, and it's true. I do. Sadness is a very productive emotion. I have a weird life too. I used to lesson play and late at night in my office and nobody was there and just like listen to music and I do a lot of songwriting. I like listen and make YouTube playlists and then write songs and like write, just free write and listen to music and sometimes I would, while I was free writing, I'd be like, oh, everything I'm writing is in meter. Okay, there's definitely a beat here. This is a song. Then take parts of that journal. Like when you saw me at the show, Mm -hmm. the first time I met you, Ray, you saw me compulsively writing because when I listen to music, I'm always compulsively writing because music is what like turns on the faucet. It's a, it's like the water cycle. Only it's only liquid ever. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's just constantly moving and it, it brings things up, but the things that it brings up in me aren't the same things that it brought up in the person who wrote the song, but there's a song in there that's, that's mine. I feel like a lot of Jason Molina's songs have that effect on me. I think I also learned a lot more about how to write simply as a lyricist from from sort of tapping into that emotional space and and directly mm-hmm. and, and I think that that comes out of the new album. And yeah. can we talk about the recording of it quickly? Sure, and then sure. The re- yeah, go for it. release date? Like um, it was recorded, is it on Blight? Um, well, we don't know yet. I mean, I would like to ideally, I mean... And we're almost near the end here. We, got, yes. mm-hmm. we might be graduating from Blight. Yeah, I mean, I, by, by my accounts, I mean, not just from being involved with it, because, like, I, I, I'm not, I didn't do anything on The Sick Room, and I love that album. I think it's, like, a stellar work of art. Um, but mm. I think that this is a really nice... Uh, <laughs> we always describe it as if that Siamese mm. dream. This is melancholy, deep, and sadness. Ah, yes. pumpkins reference. Yeah, always. But a really long, might be a double album. Yeah, because it's really 
a powerful stellar work that needs needs somebody who's going to do more than I have. So package it, distribute it, all that stuff. We need some hot wax. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and Blight is the record that Ben uh, label that Ben ran out of DC yeah. and still does. I still do, but uh, uh, Philly now. Yeah, Philly, silly Philly. Um, <laughs> it's like a, a bi, not bi coastal. What's the word for when it's two cities at once? Bi city. Bi curious. Yeah. Ciudad means one. Um, I don't know. Anyway, the, both, the, both cities. It has it has a home in both cities, okay. basically. And then um, we're, we're going to wrap up. The first time I saw you guys was, Shana, you were talking about the, yeah. down the street at that weird place. It's that Ethiopian that restaurant. restaurant. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. It has been known as Dr. Clock's Nowhere Bar at times. Dr. what? Dr. Clock's Nowhere Bar. Right. I don't know what it was going by when we played there. And then it was more organized. Yeah. Right. Anyway, we're playing with, with Sambuca. So that's it. Uh, thank you, Tazio. Anything thank else? You, right? no. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having us and talking to us. I want to thank the Adams Morgan Community Center. In the, yeah, and wherever else we are. <laughs> yeah. That was an episode of DC Public Library on Full Service Radio in Adams Morgan, Washington, DC. Visit dcplibrary.org for more information and send us your feedback at DCPL on Twitter and at DC Public Library on Instagram. Visit dcpl.simplecast.com to listen to this and previously recorded episodes of DC Public Library on Full Service Radio. Have a good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C., Full-service radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at Full Service RDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.